1: It was a book of undesirables, of cheats, of slimy people that rob each other. And I was the centrefold in this undesirable
0: book. Welcome to Bench, the podcast that brings you the inspiring, harrowing and sometimes absurd stories that are just sitting on the sidelines of sports. I'm Charlie Webster, I'm a broadcaster and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we're talking to a woman who broke through the glass ceiling of a world that, from the outside, appears glamorous and exciting, but from the inside is just an old boys club like any other. The world of professional gambling. Kat Halbert has been called the best female gambler on earth, and during her decades-long career, she played at the highest level of both blackjack and poker in casinos around the world. Today, retired from the professional game, she tells us the story of how she worked her way up to the top and what she makes of her life's work looking back.
1: I was 21 when I got into my Honda, drove cross country, ran into the biggest snowstorm that Ohio has ever experienced, got laid up in a hotel with a lazy truck driver. I was punning. I got laid legs. And he said, Oh, you're going to Las Vegas? He goes, You don't have the legs to be a cocktail waitress. And I was thinking, Why would you assume that? And you're right, I don't have the legs to be a cocktail waitress, but I'm very pretty.
0: Yeah, it's almost the assumptions that were made about you. So when you first arrived in Vegas, what was the reaction to you? And what did you first do in Vegas?
1: I got a job as a blackjack dealer. And so um, I said, oh, good. I got my first job right away because I'm almost broke. And then the person said, you know, my boss said, let's put you on the big six, which is a game that all you have to do is spin <laughs> your arm and let this big wheel go clickety 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 click. It was so boring. Now, the numbers have different payoffs on the wheel. And the biggest payoff was 20 to 1. So I started practicing to learn how to hit a particular number. And when I and because they're so superstitious, casinos are so superstitious, I started getting twenty to one all the time. So I was a losing wheel of fortune (laughs) dealer. So they put me on blackjack is where I wanted to be. I ran into a series of players that were coming in one 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 day, one day. And I go, they have some kind of method of winning. I can see that they bet small, bet small. And then when a big bet comes out, they get a blackjack. So I asked the person right at the table, I go, what is your system? And he looked at me like, what is this Bobo dealer asking me about systems? Because no one knew there were systems in the casino personnel and very few Players knew at that time. And he said, Meet me after your shift. And then we went for coffee and his Mensa card, he had his Mensa card fall on. And I go, Oh, this guy. He looked like S- Sonny Bono and his pants were pulled up to his nipples. But I never was attracted to men because they were attractive. I wanted their knowledge and their brilliance. That's what attracted me. And unfortunately, it was also
0: with comes with that is arrogance. I know that you got involved in the card counting gang, the Czechoslovakians, as they were known. What what do you think about yourself back then?
1: I wanted to be a player, not a bimbo on their arm that can play another hand, which increases the win rate. And they would not even test me. There's certain tests you got to go through to be a card counter. Um, you have to count the cards and you know divide fractions and think very quickly. They would not allow because I am a woman to even take that test. I just kept pushing through that. It wasn't it was me because I've been in that idea. I know women, uh, men think women are inferior. I've lived with this my whole life. Some men, um, some women at this point go, well, I've never had you a know, man treat me like that. Well, then you're lucky. But I think you don't understand the way men think. I have spent my whole life trying to figure out how those different gender think.
0: So originally you were treated, in your words, as a bimbo. And were you put at the table as what? As
1: a, as a distraction or in the European casinos, it's very valuable to have a square to bet on. So if I was occupying a chair, that the, main, the, the man could bet for me and increase his win rate. But actually, I was sitting there. I was a chair. But I practiced all the time, you know, just persistence while I was sitting there learning how to count. And eventually, they realized, wow, this is really valuable have her skill set. And they gave me a chance to work on my own, which was, of course, a lot more profitable.
0: Because you were in that car counting gang, which even though you were allowed to play, they still didn't agree with it. So how long did you stay with the Czechoslovakians? And then how did your relationship end?
1: It just kind of disintegrated away. And then I joined another team. There are many um, high valuable teams. And it's easier to work on a team because you all pool your money. But you really have to trust one another. It would be so easy to pilfer money off the top. But we really trusted one another. And I met the highest quality people of my life that I'm mostly still associated with. But in poker, that's the scum of the earth. <laughs> it's, there wasn't one day some Boom, wouldn't try to borrow money and get angry if I said no. And the methods they would use wouldn't be helpful to them. One guy came up to me and said, Wow, your hair looks terrible today. He goes, I've never seen your hair look so bad. Can I borrow $400? (laughs) And at the beginning of my poker career, I would loan money. I don't know why I did that, because I obsess about it when I don't get it back. But there, once you loan it, people... Do not feel they have to pay it back. And that's a a lesson you learn over and
0: over again in your life. To me, blackjack's very like mathematical and counting, hence the card counting. And then poker much more... The less emotional you
1: are, the better. Because you had to keep your mind clear and count very fast and not have the people in the casino understand what you were doing. Now, in my case, I was a woman. No woman... Bet up to the stakes that I did. It drew a lot of attention. Like the male leaders of the team thought, oh, this will be ingenious. We'll have a woman. They'll never suspect a woman can card count.
0: Yeah, but you must have stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> I
1: did. And all of a sudden, because card counting goes, you bet small, you bet small, because you're keeping track of the high cards versus the low cards and when you know there is a conglomeration of aces and high cards left you scoop your bet up to as much as you can without getting thrown out and because of my aggressiveness i would bet $25 $25 and then put out 2000 and like and you get a gallery of people watching you with people going oh, look what she just bet but there was also the chauvinism even in the gallery because um People would say, wow, and she's a woman. Look, she's betting more than the men. How can this be? And the chauvinism at the table, I had one man suggest I was um, spending my children's milk money. I, I was standing behind a table without actually betting, watching the cards, because I was just going to come in the middle of the shoe and bet. And he said to me, honey, if you wanna come over and sit by me, you can do that. I'll make sure you don't get thrown out. And I had a fistful of five hundred dollar chips. I go I go, honey, I think I can sit anywhere I want to. Did you ever get thrown out then? I got thrown out all the time. For what? For trespassing. Once they know you have an advantage over the casino they can trespass you out of the casino. And one of uh I'm at the Hilton Casino and I'm betting small and then all of a sudden the pit boss and a security guard come over, point at me and said, Deal past that girl. So they the security guards picked me up under the arms and took me over to the craps table and stuck my head in the craps table. And said, You wanna play craps, little girl? You can play craps. And we went through the, you know, roulette, stick my head in the roulette wheel. Oh I did not know what was going to happen in this place that dragged me physically to the front of the casino and shoved me out the door. So it was stumble, stumble, fall down.
0: How old were you then, Kat? 26. So you were still so young for somebody to do that to you? I was young. What was your reaction?
1: Fierceness. Like, I will get you. I will get you. (laughs) And your little dog, too. (laughs) I decided to come back into the casino as a man. And I went to a theatrical um, place where they set me up with a beard and showed me how to use my hands and me how to walk in a male costume. And well, then I went right back into the Hilton dressed as a man. I got spotted immediately. All my efforts just fell flat. They go, we know who you are. And I go, this is going to be so embarrassing to get arrested as a man, you know, going to the police station <laughs> and have them realize, well, are you a transvestite? You know, exactly what are you doing here? I think it gives off in your hands, your hands, the no way to make hands look um really masculine. Look more manly. <laughs> yeah.
0: And was that then almost what led to going, because I know that then you went onto slot machines before you went to poker. So was it, the fact that you were almost blacklisted.
1: I was blacklisted. They have a book called the Griffin Detective Agency book. It was a book of undesirables, of cheats, of slimy people that robbed each other. And I was the centerfold in that book. I was certain of it because when I went to Macau... Oh yeah, I've been to Macau. Macau was very interesting because the culture is so different. But the owner called me in after a few weeks and said, you're not allowed to play at Caesars Palace, so why would you think you're allowed to play
0: here? Did it not ever get on top of you mentally, the fact that everybody was almost against you?
1: No. I got arrested numerous times for trespassing and uh, taken to a holding cell and you know, meeting some new friends there. So it's a tough environment, and women don't seek out being arrested and backroomed Back room is where the security take you and just like put you in a room that's really stark and there's a chair with handcuffs on it. And they grill you and interrogate you and try to get you to admit doing something that they perceive is unethical or illegal, but all you're doing is using your mind.
0: Yeah, because it's not illegal, is it,
1: to count cards? No, it's not illegal. It's not illegal. But they feel anyone that says adapted a method to beat the casino is an undesirable.
0: Went onto the slots, and then you went into poker. So, how did you find poker, and how how did you start off? Did you know how to play poker?
1: No, and I had such a big ego because I was so successful at blackjack. It was most fun playing with the high limit players because they were the most clever and uh, seductive in trying to keep me in the game because I played very high limit, and I kept losing and losing. I go, oh no! It was very humiliating. <laughs> I go, maybe I'm not as brilliant as I thought. And then really knocked myself silly and went down to a very low limit. Fortunate again to find some of the best poker teachers that would partake their knowledge to get me stronger and stronger. But because blackjack was just a mechanical intelligence game, poker has an emotional quality that almost occupies. of the game, keeping your emotions under control. And because I'm bipolar, I've always fought with that, keeping my emotions under control and not getting in fights. I get in a lot of fights. Um, My success, major money-making success, came from playing against Middle Eastern men. Um, They had such a problem with me because I have a big vocabulary But they believed at that time that women do not even play games. Backgammon was their Uh big game. and And women weren't even allowed to go into a backgammon parlor. So now you have a woman at the table, almost the only woman in the poker room, who is reacting to you aggressively. You know, you bet, I raise. He re-raises, and he could possibly have nothing, and he usually did. <laughs> and I would re-raise, and it was so emasculating. It was so infuriating to them that they could not fold. So that all I had to do is really have a good hand and just call it down, take the money, and they, then they would go emotionally on tilt. I don't know if the explanation on tilt is kind of self-explanatory.
0: Yeah, because I suppose in, you need to be emotionally stable in that situation, right? I presume being emotional is a disadvantage. It's amazing that uh, I was able to be so successful because I'm very emotional. So how on earth did you control that in poker? How did your bipolar diagnosis hinder you? I think, why
1: people that are very smart and have a bankroll and everything turn into losers is because you can't take the losing. I can take a lot of emotional, mental pain. And you, you can go as the best player in the game for a long, long time and just lose every day, and it just deteriorates your spirit. I would just go back in and try again. So I guess, and then I realized, I'm never going to win at this game if I don't control my emotions. I would occasionally get into an argument. The worst one I ever got into is people. I love my animals pretty much more than any human. I had two Akitas, and they were in their end-of-stage life. And people would ask me, other animal-loving people, how are the Akitas doing? One day someone asked me and another player goes, I wish those effing dogs would die. I would eat them in a stew that night just to hear people stop talking about your dogs. I went right across the table. Across the poker table. Across the poker table with chips in the middle of the pot. So God knows what happened to them and started to strangle this person that Believes dogs can be eaten, and that it's okay. Now, you can get barred from a casino. You can get barred at different levels. You can get barred for a week, a month, two months. And I was thinking, well, I've just tried to strangle somebody. I'm going to get barred for a long time. <laughs> but the person that got barred was the person that made that remark to me because the manager of the casino was a woman and an animal lover, and it was just easy. Nobody was going to contradict her, throw the guy out. That was the biggest confrontation I had.
0: It's interesting you're saying that because poker, I presume, is a lot about, about judgment and about calling a bluff or catching a bluff, I think it is in your terms, and also evaluating other people's weaknesses. How, how did you find that? Um, later in my
1: life, I go, wow, what a way to make a living. You sit down and you immediately say about each person at the table, what are their weaknesses? If you need to use this in combat, you will know right off the bat what they are, what somebody is uh, vain about. And you just, if somebody has short money, you kind of catalog it in your mind. And later in life, I go, that is not a very nice thing to do to other people. And a lot of people I started to evaluate, they're just not very nice people. It, it became down, I get worn down from people whining and complaining. And in that point of my life, I found it very interesting, although women were um, selected as the weaker sex. Men whined and complained all the time in an irrational way. You know, oh, I, I lost a hand, I had ACEs. Big deal. You're 40% to lose ACEs. <laughs> so... Women were also, the women of my day, were also very tough-minded. And then as time progressed and poker exploded on the television scene, it was very dispiriting to find women start to act like men with a lot of whining and complaining. And I was going, oh, this this really is bad. In my lifetime, I feel like I was early feminist before the word was even established because I fought
0: to break into an area that was all-male dominated. The era's changed a lot from when you played blackjack in the 70s and poker in the 90s, but it's also changed in a technology space. Did you play online poker for a while after poker, and how how did that affect things for you?
1: I was a very bad online player. <laughs> I liked, because they you were completely anonymous, you could act in ways you would never act in the casino. And you had a chat box. So I could quickly write very clever things. And I became obsessed with doing that. And I came obsessed with playing multiple games at the same time, because that's a higher adrenaline rush. I would play higher and higher to get a bigger rush. I would play all the time. I get up in the morning, sit down at the computer. I'd find myself, it'd be 3am. I was still like, I need a few hours of sleep. People would come to the house, get away from the house. You know, they'd want to do an intervention. All you're doing is playing online poker. I go, it's my life. So it was very destructive.
0: Would you say you became addicted? Do you think there's a fine line between the gambling you were doing and then the passion you had? You know, if
1: I went back and turned on the computer and (laughs) downloaded a a game, I'd be addicted all over again. It's just like cigarette smoking. It was so addicted. And I believe that all gambling, even as a professional, they are addicted. A lot of people would get in a fierce argument about this.
0: So was it hard to leave behind then?
1: Oh, yes. It's really hard. Just you talking about it, it's like, oh, God, as soon as you
0: hang up, i got to go play. (laughs) (laughs) Really, does it make you feel like that? Does it make you want to go back into it?
1: Yeah. I'd say that it's like uh, people that are cocaine addicted and they watch those anti-cocaine commercials on TV and they use the razor blade to cut up the coke. what the commercial is accomplishing is people start thinking in their mind, oh my God, I remember the days I'd like to do that. And so the commercial is anti the purpose. So you just talking about it makes me kind of go, oh, I'd better go shopping instead, use another addiction.
0: Do you have any regrets then? Because you've been such a, I don't know, such an incredible role model in a sense for women penetrating a male dominated world like that. But then I can hear there's, negatives like you said around the addiction?
1: Since I've had metastasized cancer, I've done a lot of thinking. And when I was told you have three months to live, I really go, well, at least my life is substantial. And I have no regrets. I have one regret is that I didn't learn how to ski. Because the first time (laughs) I went downhill, I didn't know how to turn and fell on some ice and (laughs) broke my leg you know immediately and i think skiing would have been very euphoric for me because i love being in the woods that's my only regret
0: it sounds like you like adrenaline as well
1: i do oh yeah i do
0: kat just blew my mind i think she's absolutely fascinating i feel like i could have spoken to her for hours and hours well that's it for benched Thanks for tuning in. This episode was produced by Jake Otayovic, theme music by Matt Huxley and editing by Matt Hill. If you want to hear more podcasts like this one, the inspiring, the harrowing and the absurd stories that are sitting on the sidelines in the world of sports, check out Benched in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all from me, Charlie Webster. Thanks for listening.